Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my esteemed guest, Richard Mianulli, the father, on the podcast today. Mr. Mianulli, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. I'm, I'm very excited that uh, your son and my best friend uh, put this whole thing together, brought to you by <laughs> Gus's Last Word in Munaki, and uh, this is definitely the very first podcast that I'm doing in person in a bar. Okay. So please pardon the uh, ambient noise. So for starters, why don't you introduce yourself to the uh, to the audience? I'm Richard Minelli, I guess senior, if that's how you want to say it. And uh, I know all these chooches so long that I don't even want to admit it. <laughs> but um, what do I if, if I if I wanted to talk about my life and where my life started and where it wound up now, I would have to say that it's phases okay when I was a young man um, I, wanted, I was an artist I made my first film when I was in high school and what kind of film was that <laughs> it was a um, clip film they would call it it was part of my reel for me to get into film school oh cool so it was live action and parts of other movies that I stole that I shouldn't have but I didn't care at the time. What millimeter film was it? Uh, no, 16. Oh, 16, yeah. So it was, you know, real bad. But but, but uh, it did get some notoriety, and it got me into film school. So. And where did you go to film school? I went to the School of Visual Arts. Very cool. In Manhattan, and it was great, very different. You know, I went to Catholic grammar school, Catholic high school. Uh, I lived primarily home with my mom, my sister, and my brother had moved out by then, and, you know, I, you know, good Catholic boy, <laughs> and then, as I went off to film school, my mother said to me, now, don't take any funny cigarettes from anybody, and just uh, have a good time, and blah, 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 I give my mom a lot of credit, because she came from what, to let me go to film school, sure, you know, and were you the youngest of your siblings? I was the youngest. Yes, yeah, so well, you I was got the baby. The oh yeah, right. <laughs> and it was no sweat. You know, for me, I really could do anything. It was like not an issue. So I went. I loved it. Uh, and but it was a different, different, different life for me. Mm -hmm. You know, so you meet all kinds of great people. Um, and I spent a lot of my time, even though it wasn't a dorm school. <laughs> I spent a lot of my time there overnights. It was uh, 69, 70. I was going to guess the early 70s. Yeah. So the city so in the, the early cities. 70s was like an interesting place to be. Yeah. It was, it was, well, it was great. It was bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. And the garbage was piled that you couldn't, from the sidewalk, couldn't see the street. The rats ruled the city. Yeah. But in the same regard, you could do kind of whatever you wanted, and and uh, New York was New York, you know. I mean, I went to school right around the corner from the Fillmore East. We used to hang out there. We would go to see great concerts that we thought were nothing. Yeah. So you just went and see them. You'd see Mountain. You'd see this. You'd see uh, Jefferson Airplane at the time. It was Jefferson Airplane. And then, you know, you would just say, okay, we're going. You know, I mean, it was just a great time to be in Manhattan. Sure. And, uh, you know, un unfortunately, um, business was 
in the 70s, early 70s, not a good time. Mm-hmm. So, so, <laughs> so I went into whatever film business was available to me, and that happened to be mainly the adult film business. Pornography. Well. So you graduated with a degree <laughs> from, from school, correct? Yeah. Okay, so you your first real, I guess, would you say director job, like his directing debut, was adult film. Well, no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so let's let's. So what happens? I get I get out of school and I worked in a still film studio for a while. Okay, and I did um, I did Procol Harum's Broken Barricades. I did their their photography That's for cool. their album. Uh, and we did a lot of uh, art, artwork, artboard, which was the kind of thing where, for advertising, where you would shoot an art director would come in, he'd say, "I need pictures of this, I need that, da 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 da," da. and and we would just and we would just shoot and fill fill in whatever order the art directors needed. Mm-hmm. Did that for all, about a year, uh, and then my wife or my to-be wife at that time didn't want me in the city with models and not that I was not that I was anybody's not that I was anybody's favor but the fact of the matter she didn't want me there sure was this all freelance work? Uh, uh, yes okay absolutely and then um, then I got started working at a I started working at a film lab called Deluxe then I worked at Duart in the city Then I landed in a lab in New Jersey called Bergen Film Labs. Oh, cool. And I was the um, color timer and editor. Mm -hmm. So I was post-production. Okay. And uh, so I would see everything after the fact. I would cut everything together. The directors, as you would call them, would come in, tell me, yeah, I like this, I don't like that, blah, 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 blah. And I did that for a while. I did that for 10 years. And it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the business went to video. Tape, right. And you, we would have had to move to the West Coast. Gotcha. And, you know, my wife at the time wasn't having it. You know, she was barely having that I was watching dogs and donkeys and, <laughs> and women and lions and tigers and bears so, oh, my. So, oh my so the reality was was that you know I wasn't going to move into California sure understandable so you know so um, I left that business mm-hmm. and I, I was a photographer for <laughs> when you talk about a complete 180 I worked for the government wow down in uh, the Naval Air Testing Facility down in Lakehurst. Very cool. And when they would have things that they would design that they wanted to send to war, we would photograph them, we would x-ray them, we would dye them, we would test them. Very cool. So I did that for about a year, and it was great because I had my own Marine. Every morning when I showed up, Long hair, jeans ripped over, you know, bullshit. And I would, I would get pull up to the gate, and this marine would be standing there, starched, ready to roll. 
<laughs> I would get in, he would get in my car, we'd ride to the film lab, and he would stay with me all day long. Was that because it was like confidential in yeah, nature? Kind of, yeah, I guess it was, you know, but I would say to him, come on, we'll do a, smoke a little fucking pot, do a little something. And he would, he would be like, well, sir, I can't do that. I said, come on, what are you fucking Sir, we're the same age. He was a kid. He was a kid. I was 20 something and he was a kid. He was, you know, and it was great, but I had, I had my own Marine. It was like a nice deal. That's very cool. So, so we, you and I, we bonded over the fact that I am, a in quotation photographer, you are a photographer. and I uh, I find the number one thing I like asking people of your generation vis-a-vis photography is what is your opinion or feelings on the vast majority of photography today being done digitally now there's still a ton of high-end fashion work and, and billboard work that is you know primarily uh, made with film but how do you see the use of digital uh, cameras, uh, you know, comparative to film work back in the day? Okay, so here, here's the deal. Um, film was all there was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so there really wasn't much of an option, and it was a great medium, and it was great to, to work in, because, mm-hmm. because with film, with lighting, with everything, you could make whatever thing what you wanted you could make happen on the film mm-hmm. um, then you know and, and what started to happen I'm not sure what year it started to happen is the film business so if you go back to to kind of capture your your question is that for years what would happen is that someone would shoot a film they would shoot a scene or two scenes during the day at night, it would have to go to the film lab, it would have to be processed, a work print would be made, the director would have to, sometimes midnight, one o'clock in the morning, look at that print and decide whether he had to go back the next day to shoot that same scene over. Right. Very costly. Spielberg, I think, was the first director, no, but at his beginning, mm-hmm. who started shooting, it wasn't digital yet, it was video, Instead, he would shoot video side by side with his film. Okay. So what would happen is that he'd be able to look immediately if some asshole in the back was standing there with a beer can that shouldn't have been there, or there was somebody a boom mic hanging in the scene. I mean, that shit happens like like all all the time. Right. It was. It's not. You say, "Oh my God, no!" Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. So the fact of the matter is, is that in the old days, you would have to set up all the next day and shoot it again. Couldn't digitally remove it. <laughs> so he kind of would look at, look at the video and say, whatever he would say, and I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. Okay, we'll shoot it. But he would shoot it while people were still on set, while people were still there. So it saved a huge amount of time. Then everything moved to digital, which is a whole different thing because, look, you used to be able to say, Photographs worth a thousand words. Uh, this is, you know, if it's in a photograph, it's the truth. Now that's all bullshit. People can make right. a photograph be anything you want it to be. Mm-hmm. They could show me with a beautiful woman, which we know is not true, <laughs> except for my wife, who's a beautiful woman, but not here. Not here. Yes. So what I'm saying is that now you can do anything. Sure. I struggle with it as an artist because um, I shoot both film and digital and the process of shooting digital is a breeze right the the post-production manipulation of images i can make it 
I could save a terrible photo and I could make a really great photo better. But the analog action of shooting film is much more like my spirit. I am much more invested in the act of shooting film. The cost sucks dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the actual process is something that speaks to me a lot. Well, I think the reality is is that everyone needs to start with film. Anyone who wants to be a photographer can't pick up a digital camera and become a photographer. Sure. Because you don't get it. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. You don't learn. You don't, you don't understand the light, light composition, the things that make a photograph. Mm-hmm. Photograph is not some selfie of, of, of Paris Hilton's Kuma Sikyam yeah. when she's getting out of a limousine. In other right. words, you know, give me a break with all that. Right. So, if you want to be a photographer, film forces you to follow certain rules. Mm -hmm. When you follow those rules, then you understand what makes something good and what makes something bad. Mm -hmm. Once you get that, then you could go the easier route because then you're doing it just to facilitate, Mm -hmm. not to create. Right. Okay? And I I think to deny the digital market is a mistake. I mean, there are some purists sure. that say, blah, blah. listen, listen, I, you could shoot digitally a thousand pictures. In a minute. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You just my, my, boom, 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 The boom, thing boom. that I find with my own photography is that when I shoot film, if I'm shooting a model, not street work, which let's just say I've got a, a single uh, vision of mine, I'm shooting a model, we're doing some sort of lookbook, whatever it might be, the three or so dozen film photos that I take, and I shoot primarily on a Hasselblad 500CM, they are intentional. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. They're intentional. They are more thought out. They are more... Uh, you see more of what I see in those images versus the digital where I'm just spraying. Shooting. I'm just shooting. Shooting. Yeah. And, and that's precisely the point. The point is, is that when you're shooting film, there are physical requirements you need to follow. Mm-hmm. The lighting needs to be what it is. The set needs to be what it is. The composition needs to be what it is. When you shoot something digitally and there's something that's not right or the lighting's not right, you could change all that. Yeah. And unfortunately, there are people that are jumping the step, mm-hmm. um, but they're cheating themselves. Sure. Because at the end of the day, you need, there's nothing better than shooting on a Hasselblad or on an Nikon or, or on a Leica, shooting a, a chrome, and you get that back, and you look at that on the light box and you go, holy crap, Yeah. this is a gorgeous piece of film. 100%. In other words, digitally, you don't get that. You don't get the soul of the image. You don't get that. Mm-hmm. It just does not, the depth of it. It's not there. 100%. And, and that's what takes you from the guy who shoots pictures to being a photographer as an art form. So growing up, I would imagine your family probably had some sort of camera, right? So like, what was it when you were a kid? No camera. No. So what, Let me tell you something. Yeah. I came from, in my house, there was nothing. Now... Whether they were hiding from the cops and they didn't want any pictures and there, there was no evidence, I'm not exactly sure. My father's from Brooklyn and his brothers are all 
whatever. So my point is, is that, but nothing. When I tell you nothing as far as photography in my house, I had an uncle who had an eight millimeter camera with four light bulbs that would burn the retinas of your eyes to take the photograph. <laughs> and you would be like, and everyone looked like Escape from Planet Nine. You know? Yeah, it was like, it was flushed that, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it really didn't stop me from wanting to. In other words, I always wanted to paint. Mm -hmm. and I was a watercolor guy for a long time. But photography just captured my interest mm -hmm. because I felt that you could create, create. You know, and then I saw great photographers. Look, I was in Richard Avedon's studio. That's incredible. I mean, I, you know, I was with people that were photographers. The guy that I mentored with, which was Peter Sahula, probably one of the finest photographers if you look look him up and look up his work um i mean all crazy as bed bugs every one of them you know but you have to be <laughs> who really cares if, you're right you yeah. know, i mean cares about any of that and um it it just to me that you that you uh savor the film aspect of it is great for you mm -hmm. you know because you need you know, you need to have that. I mean, look, you need the other tool. You need the digital because if you're going to commercially do any work. Sure. You know, Can't like, roll in with the house. No, man. Yeah. You're not going to. Where are you going? So what, going what made that? you initially pick up the camera, though? Um, like, were you in school and you were trying out art stuff and then you're like, you know what? what happened. I went to Bergen Catholic High School. Oh, okay. No art program at all. Wow. Surprising. Okay. So now... And I would bitch. I bitched for four years that I was there. I said, you have people in the fucking band. You got sports out the ass. You got this, you got that, you got this. I said, you have no art program? You're supposed to be teaching me a rounded education. How could you not teach an art program? Of course, that didn't win me any favors with any of them, but <laughs> they would you know, They would love to beat up again. Listen, we had a bunch. There was two school buses that came from Garfield and Lodi. And when I went to high school, no joke, and I know I can't say this, but I'm gonna say it. We were on the guinea bus from Lodi. And when we would pull up, they would say, the guinea bus is here. And That's I'm incredible. Like, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it was, and, and especially it was Jersey, truth. which is a predominantly oh, Italian yeah, no, state. No, 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 not Bergen Catholic. Irish Christian Brothers, oh. everybody went there, you know. And look to me, that was my first uh, look at, uh, a different uh, group of people. Sure. I mean, I grew up in Lodi. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what. I didn't even know somebody that was Irish who they were. <laughs> you know, and then I get, went there and got my ass kicked a couple of times and I learned who uh, the Irish really were. But that's not the point. So you hounded your administration for four years to get our programs. Right. So here's what happens. I got accepted into film school in my junior year. And how did you apply? <laughs> well, they wouldn't let me. Oh. Uh, they, they, they said, you have to go to St. John's, you have to go to NYU, you have to go. Those are the schools they were pushing. And I said, well, what are those schools? I said, they're mainstream. At the time, SVA, School of Visual Arts, was like the shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, it may not be now, but it was radical. It was, you know. And I met someone who was a director, and I showed him my bullshit film. And he said, you know what? You're a pretty good kid. 
And he wrote me a letter. He says, I know Silas Rhodes, who's the dean of acceptance. Boom. And I just decided that that was going to be my out of being a gangster like everybody else in the world. <laughs> Fair. And, you know, I just chose that that's where I wanted to go with my life. Now I'm back to being a gangster. That's not the point. Well, that's what, it's it's interesting. So, like, a lot of the conversations that I have are centered around how I've got to a very creative point in my life where the 34 and a half years prior, I had no creative outlet. You seem to have gone the other way. You started off extremely creative, and now you went to, like, a very normal right. career. Of right. Oh, and, and here's the thing. Um, I, I do residential... Uh, construction. construction, only because it's a it's an artistic outlet for me. Okay. Okay. I mean, the only thing I ever made money on is commercial construction. Sure. Okay. But I could go into someone's house and say, "Listen, I can make this like this." Da, 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 da. They get all excited, you know, and I, you know, and, and everybody wets their pants, and then we have a good time. Mm -hmm. And and it it lets me vent that creative interesting because I was never really good enough to be a photographer to make money interesting and I needed to make money because you were a father you know that's typically how it goes yeah. you know what I'm saying yes so, so because the by the time you were my age you already oh, had kids listen by the time I was your age I was already married three times and had kids right so, but other than that, yeah. listen, what are you gonna do? Life's, you know, life's a bitch, and then, you know, then you die. And then you that, die. That, it's They're funny. Me. My dad says the same thing. <laughs> There's a very fatherly uh, listen, assertion. Listen, it's look. You need to, you need to take the moments that are enjoyable in your life and savor them. The moments. Mm -hmm. Because most of your life, and I don't mean to sound modern, but most of your life is just the drudge of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. You know, I mean, I'm not bitching because, frankly, I've always done whatever it is that I wanted to do, always. Great Ever. way to lead a life. You know what I mean? So I really have no um, complaints, except I would like to be six foot four and blonde, but. You know, that's not happening. Blonde? From, yeah, yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyes. What the <laughs> hell? You know, that way it could sneak in and out of a lot of I mean, of you parties. have a gigantic head of hair relative to your son. And I know that's predicated mostly on your his mother's father. So, I'm assuming... Well, listen. <laughs> my son worries too much. Oh, so he worried, that's the, hair right he worried the hair right out of his hair. He grew right out of his hair. I, listen, I love him more than life. And my daughter, but he he's gotta chill a little bit. He's getting better with age. I hope. But for sure. Know, he's no kid. He's thirty five years old. At thirty five, well, look, I don't even want to talk about by thirty five. But the point is is that um, he my daughter's very artistic as well. Never went that way mm -hmm. because sports. Sure. She's she was wound, very talented. She's wound so tight that you know, I get it. Mm -hmm. But um, but Rick has a great Rick has a great uh, feel for 
what he likes and what he doesn't like. He I'll just, tell you, were it not for your son, I would have had a very boring trip about a year ago this time. Uh, I got laid off from my job. Okay. And I decided to pack my car with a cooler, some clothes, some food, some drinks, and set off across the country. And I drove as far west as approximately Jackson Hole, maybe somewhere in Arizona. I stopped short of Los Angeles because California was on fire. <laughs> right, right. So I stopped short. And it's but still on fire, by the way. Yeah, a year later, it's still on fire. And uh, Rick, we were we talked for an hour or so each day. He would, he, he would he'd be like, "Oh, you got to go over here and see listen, this, and you got to." Yeah. From when he was four years old. Now this is a bizarre thing I'm going to say, but it's the truth. From when he was four years old, we I would say to him, because you have to remember, at four and Bettina was two. You know, we were already separated. Okay. So I would have them, and I would take them to Manhattan often, almost every weekend. To the different museums, things like that. Rick would say to me, okay, Dad, we're going to the Museum of Natural History. We should go George Washington Bridge, 180. He had this natural kind at of four. thing about at four, at five, at six. Now, you're going someplace that could be on the other side of the world, and you call Rick up and say, Rick, where should I have dinner in Timbuktu? And he would go, well, there's one place. You know, I, I wasn't there myself, but I heard that it was a good place. Incredible. It's it's like this He either talent. is the greatest Googler of all time, or he just is like, it's remarkable. Listen, I mean, he, I was in Bumblefuck, South Dakota. Bumblefuck, he, South Dakota. And he knew where to send you to get. Yeah. 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 It's bizarre. Bettina was out. Bettina, who's sister, obviously, um, was out in Colorado with her cousins and whatever, and they were lost, or wherever they were, the old them. And she called him up on the phone. And he said, okay, drive about five miles down the road. <laughs> go." And she goes, Dad. How the fuck she do you says, do that? How does he even fucking How does he fucking know where I'm in? I'm in oh. She goes, well, you explained to him where you were at that point. He figured he has a, a talent for that. Mm -hmm. That is amazing, actually. Um... I always often said to him that maybe you should do something with that because, you know, traffic he just, control. He expert. just loves it. <laughs> well, either that or he should, could be a sniper. As of, uh, <laughs> so being that, like, I'm roughly in a position where pretty much all of my friends are fathers. Um, I don't know. I think I only have one other friend who's single, and I have no friends who don't have kids. Basically, everybody I know is is a father. Okay, so 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 now why why are you single? Uh, quite frankly, I haven't met the right person. Um, I think things in life truly happen at like its pace and its time, and people come in and out of your life when they're supposed to. Um, I ended a relationship probably six or seven years ago because the person that I was dating didn't want to have children. Okay. And now... And children are important to you. They were. And now, seven years later or so, I no longer know if I want that. So I think it's it's one of those things that, like, right. things, you know, develop as, as they are supposed to. Um, so... The one good thing, let me say to you, the one good thing about your generation if it's even a generation, but a your generation is that um, you're, you're all old enough to make some serious decisions. Um, when I was 18 or 20, that was old to get married. Right. 
well, that's where I was ultimately going. So I feel like yeah. our generation is much more aligned with your generation in that the vast majority of my friends were married in their 20s, maybe later than you guys were getting married at 20 and 24. My friends were 25 to 28. But do you, do you see that as like a weird kind of coincidence or happenstance? I mean, it can't just be that everyone's lucky and they meet their soulmates at a young age because the divorce no, rate no, is no, still no, high. No, listen. No, so, listen. The, the whole, I don't even want to say this, but I'm going to say it. I'm not exactly sure even what that, the term, I know what the term is supposed to mean, soulmate. Mm -hmm. um, I think a relationship is what you make out of a relationship. I agree. I think that you meet an individual that is intelligent, that has like, um, uh, that you ha have similar likes and dislikes, not necessarily important, but you have that. Commonalities. And then you make something happen. It's work. A relationship is work, and if you work at it, it's successful. What I do find about your age group is that you're getting married and staying married. My age group, you're getting married two years, you're in, you're out. <laughs> now, I do have friends that are married 40 years or 50 years, close friends. Um, and of course, they look at me like, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, but, but they all now come back to me. I just had a guy from Colorado, another guy from, from uh, Florida comes up and says to me, you know, you look great. I said, I look great. You want to know why? And I spent most of my life saying F you to everybody in the face of the earth. It's only the last 20-something years that I said, okay, my kids are getting married. They're having grandchildren. Maybe I should act like a grandfather. I always thought that I was a good father. Um, I wasn't always a good example. Um, but I always loved my kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. I Absolutely. think you need to decide what's important to you. Sure. When you meet someone... It changes everything. Well... Listen, listen to me. If you tomorrow... Or tonight, we are at Gus's right, last okay. word. Yeah. Okay, so now you come here and all of a sudden this beautiful woman says to you, Oh, you're like the Sheik of Araby. <laughs> I'm going to make you forget about it. Forget humping your camel, I'm going to take care of you. And you fall in love with her. Your life will not ever be the same sure look if you have children then it's really never the same and it's never the same for the rest of your life mm -hmm. but do you want someone else to have that much input not control input into your life not yet yeah absolutely eventually I'm going to tell you why because you are at the top of your game Okay. Yeah. You're doing what you want. You look, you walked in here, you had a smile on your face. My son walks in here, maybe not so much. <laughs> well, okay. depends, depends how easy the kids go to bed yeah, tonight, right? You understand? <laughs> so, all I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is that it's it's only good when it's right. When it's right. Sure. Or, or when you're ready. Mm-hmm. 
I have had a lot of points in my life where I felt like life is this merry-go-round. You have a lot of uh, regimented periods in your life where I need to graduate high school, I need to graduate college, I need to get that first job. Everything in life is about looking forward five years. Where am I in five years? Where am I in five years? Where am I in five years? Mm-hmm. At what point in your life, because I feel like I have recently hit it, do you no longer look forward? Um, okay. You're talking to a gentleman who at 70 just got a brand new license to change careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm never not looking forward. Because when you stop looking forward, life is like a shark. When you stop looking forward... Stop swimming. Yeah. You're done. You're done. I can't believe I'm still alive, be, to be honest with you. Why i got to tell you the truth. I mean, everyone in my life, my father died at 47, my mother died, you know, everyone died young. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I would live this long. And frankly, to steal an old joke... If I would have ever thought that I would have lived this long, I would have taken much better care of myself. <laughs> okay? I got to tell you the truth. But it's a joke. It's a joke, but it's the truth. So the reality is, is that I want to live a long time, and I'm going to torture the shit out of my kids. Um, I, I once heard something very funny that it was, uh, when I get older, I want to act. I want to feel as if I treated my body like a theme park and less likely I treated it like a church. <laughs> and I have adhered to that philosophy quite stringently over the last 10 Listen, years or so. The 80s were a horror. Well, I can imagine. On my body. A horror. We would go to Plato's Retreat. We, we, would, we would go to the fifth season. We would go to the Blue Moon in Manhattan. Let me tell you something. The cocaine was crazy. We'd go to the rooftop. Forget about it. It was disaster. That my heart survived the eighties is a miracle of science. Actually, yeah. you should be. You should have some <laughs> tests done. Tell you the truth, <laughs> it's a miracle of science. <laughs> um, so, the, ultimately, the, the fundamental reason why I asked that question is because, like, where I am today versus where I was five years ago, I would never have like projected myself to be in this new kind of path and pattern and creative outlet that I found right okay so at what point like you took a step away from the creative arts and the passions that you started in college to work a normal job to be a father and you know provide for your family so being that you're you know you're 70 now what do you look at like for the like was there a turning point when you were 40 was there a moment in your mid to late 30s that you were like okay time to stop fucking around time to you know Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of fatherly advice. Please do. Don't ever stop fucking around. Mm. And don't ever stop being an artist. It's the biggest, the only regret. And I have a wonderful life. The only regret I ever had. Okay? I have a, a son, stepson, a son, I consider him, who's an artist. Mm-hmm. True artist. Devoted, he's devoted his life to being an artist and he's a great artist and he's just been recognized in Philadelphia as something mm-hmm. it's because he never gave up he never stopped saying I'm an artist mm-hmm. I stopped because money dictated me to stop Absolutely. my advice so. to you don't stop Yeah. Be- become good enough that you could make money 
at being an artist and then get married <laughs> and then have kids or, or not have kids but but if you have this creative element we don't have enough creative people in the world sure we have an we have a lot of people that want to blow shit up. <laughs> we have a lot of people that want to be politicians and all this horse shit. We don't have enough artists. We've never had enough artists, okay? When you go to Italy, when you go to places that you say, holy crap, these artists were revered. The Medici's were fighting over. Michelangelo, the Medici. You know, now artists are like these chumps. Lepers, yeah. Okay? So... Your artistic uh, outlet, if it, as long as it wants to be your life, you should keep it your life. Hmm, I appreciate that. So, the entirety of your life, you have just one single soul regret? Yes. That's an incredible yeah. life. Listen to me. Not so bad. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't have a rearview mirror in my life. Hmm. Okay? I don't. Because you don't want to know what? What good does it do you? The things that are behind you are behind you. Mm -hmm. Yesterday is behind you. Mm -hmm. Okay? You need to... Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yes, I have obligations now that I cannot get away from. <laughs> and believe me, you know, I tried, but I can't. Mm -hmm. So, um... I still have to deal on a monetary level. But if you are in the position that you have no monetary ties that will dictate any decision you make, then you should make every decision from your heart and not your head. Okay, that's coming from an artist. Sure. Not tape, ta taping, but I can give you five hours of shit that you know you may not ever recover from. Okay. If I tell you. Mm -hmm. So look, I'm happy. Good. I've been in a, all over the world, and and I have two wonderful children that. You want to know what? They love me. Can't, Can't ask, ask for, for more, more than that. Yeah. Because I know people that have all kind of shit. I'm, they have houses, they have this, they have that. And their kids hate them. They don't even talk to them. Mm -hmm. My kids get pissed off at me because I don't talk to them enough. <laughs> okay, so that's a wonderful catbird seat to be in. I never do it on purpose. It's just I'm still busy. Because I, I was just say, as a guy who's still like incredibly busy and uh, works a lot, um, do you think about retiring? Like, could no, you, retire. you'll never do it. How am I going to retire? Let me let me say something. To you. I have friends that are retired. They're miserable. Yeah. Every, every single one of them. Every one of them. My back aches. My, uh, my ass aches. My this, that, that. Because they stopped. you didn't do anything today. Now, why did your back ache? I know why my back aches. Because I was up and down a ladder today a hundred times. Mm -hmm. So when I go home, I got it. You say to me, I sat home by my pool and my back hurts. This is what the fuck. So, to me, again, look, if you are the type of individual that could retire and still have a second life and a third life, my, my feeling is, is you need to re... If you're going to retire, you need to move into the next phase. Mm -hmm. Or 
you're retiring, getting ready to die. Sure. Waiting for the inevitability. You know what I'm saying? What's up with that shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to die one day. I don't even know it. All of a sudden, somebody gets a call. You know what? You found this son of a bitch dead. Holy shit. He was smiling, though. Yeah, but you know what? So, so to you, my advice is that do what you, what your heart makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. And not what someone says. You know, at this point in your life, you should be married. And you should start having kids. The great thing about Ben is you can have kids for a long time. Not necessarily the great thing. <laughs> you understand? You have a, of course, you'll be sending them to college when you're 80, <laughs> and it'll be $9 million. Or I'll already be cashed out, so that's okay. Uh, um, as, a, as a person who is self-professed as you'd never thought you'd live this long. That's true. Do you find yourself like contemplating death? No. Not at all? No, no, no. It's never a consideration to me. And I've been in some tough spots. I've been in some spots where... I'm looking. I would never sit in this seat. I would always sit in that seat because I'm looking out the window. <laughs> I told you earlier today. I'm an OG. Yeah. You know, I get there early and watch people coming in the door. Never want to walk into a place and look around and see who's here. You always want to get there first. That's how I lived a portion of my life. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, no, I, I just think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that Life is life is too short. I'm 70 and life is short. Because mm-hmm. when I think at 70, I'd like to have another 30. No, I'm not going to have another 30 unless somebody said to me, you know what? What the fuck? We're going to give you another 30. Yeah, right. Yeah. God says, you know, here's the deal. You've been a laugh reel. Your laugh reel has been great. Yeah, I've been watching you for so many years. You've been doing good. I'm going to give you another 30. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just want I just want to always do. I'm trying now to do the right thing. Try now to guide my son in the right direction. Um, my daughter doesn't need any guidance because she doesn't listen to me anyway. <laughs> Uh, I tried to guide Eric and I told him don't buy shutters for his house <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> yeah, whatever I love them all anyway that's that's what we like to call in the business hashtag blessed <laughs> tell you what I can use is another I, I'm fairly certain and uh, that I've been drinking your Oban and I believe they gave you my bourbon yeah see what happens yeah. there's a hole in this glass yeah and I think it's at the bottom because, because the I've had Blanton's before, and this is entirely too peaty to be a bourbon. Oh, I'm not God. So, so I'm having all these Mama Luke's at my house upstate <laughs> in a couple weeks. Uh, next, not this weekend, following weekend. So, forget it. That Rick's, should be fun. Rick's camping out with with Anthony, and I'm remembering the first time that I camped out with Rick at four. What is that like cyclical nature like? Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Because I never thought that, well, I never thought that it would be. So now I start to look at it and I said to Rick the other day, I said, look, Rick, I know that you want to get a tent and sleep overnight outside with Anthony. I said, do you mind if I join you? I said, because I think when you were four, 
I was too anxious to enjoy it as much as I should have. Mm. I said, and I would really enjoy it now to see you interact with him. And this, of course, Dad. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, it's a book. I, f- I find, you know, parts of my life, I still look around and I think I'm 20, right? Even though I'm right, right, in right. my mid-30s. But it's, it's funny that you reach a point in your life where you're the same age as your parents were when they were doing things that oh, yeah. I'm doing now. And it's just the cyclical nature of how, like, a life works right. that I find in- incredibly, you know, it's funny. Like, because when you're a kid, you look at your parents like they're your parents. They know everything. Meanwhile, no, they're no, 35-year-old no. people who don't know what the fuck they're don't, doing. No, no, listen. Having kids especially didn't ever come with a book. It would have been great <laughs> if someone said, oh, you're having a kid here. Just read this book. And we're not talking about Dr. Spock. That was a, he was an asshole. I'm talking about there were no books that... You have to do it. If your first kid is like, holy crap, you have to figure it out. Even though everyone has advice, it doesn't make any difference. It's your particular kid. Uh, that's what I tell Rick about Anthony. That's what I tell Rick about now. Vincent, who's now a completely different kid, and he's going to fuck them all. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this new one, oh, man, they're in trouble with the new one. Because you look in his eyes, I sit and look at him, and he's like, Taking it I all got in. this shit. I got this shit worked out. These people are chooches. Look <laughs> at them all. So they're gonna have an interesting life. Look, my daughter already has a daughter who is unbelievable. Yeah, she's, she's a cutie. Yeah, she's smart. She's she's smarter than the two of them, and they're all they all think who the fuck they are. She's smarter than the two of them put together, and has them under control. So. You know what? I tell my daughter every day, good luck with that. Because <laughs> she's going to be running that house real soon. One question that I typically find myself asking a lot on these podcasts is, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? And I f- have found that there's a significant amount of commonality amongst the advice that people get, right? There is live your life without regret there is treat every day like it's a gift what's something that you learned either in your youth or you're in adulthood that uh, is something that you think was like the best piece of advice you were ever given <laughs> listen you're, you're gonna think I'm crazy but I'm gonna say something to you um, I don't no one of any except for my brother-in-law, um, who was a wonderful guy, he's a judge, an attorney, uh, very uh, sound. Um, he gave me some advice one day, said, look, you know, try to do the right thing, blah, 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 blah. No one's ever given me advice. Part of my problem in life in other words, I don't remember anyone, any... When my father died, I was seven. He was 47. And I had a million uncles. Most of them were gangsters. Um, that, you know, what did they have advice? Duck? <laughs> you know, shit like that. You know, nothing. No advice. They were not educated people. They loved me. 
so it didn't change my opinion of them, but nobody ever, nobody really ever gave me advice. Um, consequently, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I don't regret any of the mistakes because... Isn't that what life is? No, every, every time, listen to me, every time you make one, the only mistake is, is that you don't learn from right. the mistake you make, okay? So, I, I, I have to say that... What is your best piece of advice to give them? My best piece of advice I would give you, as I would give my son, as I would give my daughter, is be true to yourself. Because at the end of the day, when you go to bed at night, you're all alone. Okay? You could be in a room with a million people and you're all alone. Mm-hmm. And people that have everything, people that have money, the people that have all, when they go to sleep, they're alone. And the reality is, is that when you're trying to make other people happy, and you're trying to do things to please other people, fuck you up. I know I'm being crude, but the reality is, you have to be true to yourself. That's why I say to you, live out being the artist mm-hmm. ultimately if you can't live uh, the lifestyle you like to live being the artist then you'll change your sure. situation mm-hmm. but it'll be your decision to change mm-hmm. it won't be someone else saying what the fuck you doing what do you mean get a job what the fuck's the matter you know it should be your decision my son I tell him all the time, my daughter, you know, she's, I, I tell everyone, my stepkids, that I don't consider my stepkids, tell them the same thing. Be who you gotta be. Because you wanna know what, at the end of the day. That's all you got left. Yeah. Who are you, who are you? When you get up in the morning, and you're brushing your teeth, and you're looking in the mirror, you go, holy fuck. If you had three, five, six scotches, you go, holy shit but you know why holy shit mm-hmm. you know and like wc field said you know when i wake up in the morning i know that you know, you're gonna feel better than i'm ever gonna feel the rest of the day i mean the reality is is that you need to understand the consequences of what you do i like that you live sort of a, a and i don't mean to assume but i'm gonna say it a life with, without consequences because you live alone. Correct. And whatever it is you do, you decided to do it. You may say, ah, I shouldn't have fucking done that. But at the end of the day, okay. Who did you affect? You. Me. Yeah, when you meet somebody, you're affecting somebody else. It's a fucking pain in the ass. I gotta be honest with you. So, so if you meet somebody and you fall in love, okay. What are you gonna do about that? Nothing. But yeah. so I always pay a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. I like to spend uh, the last bit of every podcast asking some like kind of rapid-fire questions, and some of them are easy, some of them are heavy, uh, but I want to start with, what is your favorite movie of all time? Um, favorite movie of all time? Gone with the Wind. Why? Because it depicted a time in our in life that 
people say is a horror. Slaves, and it's this and it's that. But it was very real. Mm -hmm. And it was who we were. And frankly, people want to get rid of that movie. People want to say, but it was a great movie. It, it, it displayed, uh, whether you want to say a horrible time in our day, but it was what it was. I always thought it was a great movie. I love Casablanca too, but that's for a different thing because I'm a Bogart fan. But sure. You know, What's yeah. your favorite book? Um, I guess my favorite book. Uh, I would have to say it's a current book. Mm -hmm. It's Killing Crazy Horse. Okay. I haven't and, read it, but I have heard about it. And. Um, only because it sheds reality on massive atrocities. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, we're given you know smallpox blankets. And, you know, in other words, look, we're not the only peoples that did that. Uh, but but you know, I have to say that you know, would I like to say it was some sweet, wonderful book? But you know, my life is not that sweet and wonderful. So that was to me, to a recent book. What inspires you? Waking up in the morning. That is a good one. You know, every morning I wake up and I feel okay. And I say, you know what? Today will be whatever the today is going to be. And it's going to be whatever I make out of it. But I have to tell you that when I wake up in the morning and I say to myself, okay, this is good. I got a new start. Mm, I like that. When I was growing up, my biggest dream was to be the quarterback for the New York Giants. I'm four <laughs> inches short of the ability to do so, and I can't really throw that well. What was your biggest dream, and what is now your biggest dream? Uh, I would have wanted to be a motion picture director, like a serious motion picture mm -hmm. um, for a long time uh, now I just I would like to live long enough to enjoy my grandchildren's life mm -hmm. some grammar school some high school now that's asking a lot, but that would make me very happy. Because other than that, what else? Look, is I have listen. I have. If I don't have it, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. Okay. In other words, I've had Mercedes. I've had this. I've had that. I've had that. Now what I have, what I have, is what I want. Mm. So you know, I try to I try to do that with my life now, and I think moving was a very valuable lesson in how our possessions become our anchors. Right. Because when I was moving, I'm like, I got a hundred fucking pairs of sneakers. Yeah, I got well. fifty fucking hats. You can only wear one hat. You can only wear one pair of shoes. It's like, well, I'm a shoe guy. Me too. So I got to be honest with you. Um, I, I not now because now I'm old, but I mean, 
at any given time I would have 30, 40 pairs of shoes. Not sneakers, because I didn't. I would have one or two pairs of sneakers. Minor but I would sneakers. have shoes. Sure. I would have shoes. I'd have fucking Mary Janes, and I would have I would have shoes every color, match every suit that I ever wore. I mean, I would just I thought shoes were the shit. <laughs> I thought if somebody walked in a place and he had some whatever he had on, whether it be a suit or jet, whatever it was, and his shoes were coordinated, not just black or not just brown. I'd say, okay, this guy gives a fuck about what he's wearing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that was, so I get the shoe thing. Yeah. So that's, that's not, you know, that's okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, heavy one. Do you believe in an afterlife? I hope so. Um, I was raised, uh, I was raised that there's a, there's somewhere else. Um, I spent most of my life not caring about the afterlife. Um, now, I um, find that I would love the opportunity to speak to my father or speak to my mother or speak to my sister again and say something profound instead of some fucking stupid thing that I did say, you know? Um, as far as me living eternally regarding an afterlife, I don't give a fuck. I'm not that important that I should live forever <laughs> because I gotta be honest with you. You know, this planet, you know, would be done with me and say, you know, whew. okay, we're fucking rid of him, let's move on. Um, I, I would love, I would like it for that reason. I think that cosmically, or chemically, or scientifically, I do think that we all, your energy that makes you, not your body, but your energy that makes you, does go somewhere. Sure. Because... It cannot be well, created or where, destroyed, Where's it right? going? It's, it's not going, you know, it's going to be somewhere. I mean, but I'm just saying that, <laughs> you know... Um, <laughs> That energy uh, uh, is not going anywhere. Okay. My so. uh, my last question, and this is probably the easiest one I'm going to ask you, but what are you most proud of? Uh, Rick, Rick and Bettina. Is that no. the easy answer as a, as a parent? Um, no. No. Because a, a lot of parents <laughs> have asshole kids. Yes, you know true. what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, there are a lot of parents that say, shit, man, I don't know what the fuck. No, you know, I mean, that my kids love me and care about me, that's the fucking best yeah. You know that's what I'm saying? What In other is. words, I can't imagine. I'm so fucked up that I can't imagine that they, can't, they don't turn around and say, oh, yeah, dad's gone. No, my kids argue over whether I'm coming to see them or not. My daughter gets annoyed that I don't see him. My son, same thing. No, dad doesn't want to come and see. You realize what a wonderful thing that is that they want that they want to sure. see me. Yeah, I you think know, I, I don't think, know how that I did that. By yeah, the way. I think uh, you know the man in the clouds. Often, that I was somehow cosmically blessed with the most wonderful family anyone could ever ask for. And that's, you know, they say you don't pick your family, they don't, you know, 
because you're born into it. But I think there is something to be said about the fact that I have the most wonderful parents, the best brother and sister, and listen, luck. Here's the deal. That allows you to be comfortable with who you are. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because if they were jerks, and they would be calling you up and saying, ah, what the fuck you doing? You know, brothers and sisters could be a pain in the ass. Sure. I mean, in my case, I was the baby, so, you know, I was good. Yeah. But the point is, is that, that you, you think of them as that allows you to be who you want to be. I completely agree. You know, makes your life comfortable in that regard. Look, tomorrow you may wake up and say, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I, I, you know, I better go. An hour from hours. now, I might say right. that. But that's okay. You know, the advantage you have is that you could say that and that affects you. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway. Look. Salute. Mr. Minulli. Richard, the senior, thank you so much for doing this with me today. Oh, I had pleasure. an absolute I, I, blast. Look, look, I love it. Look, I, look uh, at this. I'll, yes, I'll take one more because God knows I need one more scotch. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get a couple bites to eat. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate uh, Gus's last word for letting us uh, take up some space and uh, have a truly wonderful conversation. I, uh, it's a delight to be able to get to a better level with someone who I consider just a, a, an all-around great guy, great human being. Thank you. Good thank father. You. And uh, thank you so much for coming And on you're today. a good friend to my son. I appreciate that. I have that. to say that. I try. Okay. And you took great... Now, now that it's all over, I saw your photo. Yeah. Some great stuff. And I didn't see all of it. But I, you know what? I took about 800 of them. Well, I'm going to stop there.